All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Okay. I am unpacking a little black box. How fitting. Um, that it contains the Amazon Echo Look. Hello friends, it's Manoush, and this week's episode comes from my bedroom, where I am just working on installing what must be the most invasive surveillance gadget imaginable. It's called the Amazon Echo Look. Let's see, okay. Echo Look is ready for setup. Just follow the instructions in your Echo Look app. By tapping Begin Setup, you agree to the terms and conditions. All right, I'm doing this for you, note to self listeners. Introducing Echo Look, a first-of-its-kind Echo with a hands-free camera. Kind of super weird to set up a camera in your bedroom to take photos of you, but hey, if it can help me make sure that I look super cute every day, why should I resist? I already have a Prime account and shop at Whole Foods anyway, right? Echo Look. Love your look every day. Note to self, Amazon really does want to take over everything in your life. This week, how we got to this point where Amazon just might succeed, and what that means for your wallet and the entire U.S. economy. Because while the Amazon Echo look right now, it's invite only, chances are that you probably did order something from Amazon this holiday season. Four out of every $10 spent online in the U.S. is with Amazon. I mean, just one arm of the company, Amazon Web Services, it alone makes billions of dollars in pure profit. And yet, Amazon makes up only 5% of overall retail sales, so that leaves a lot of room for it to grow. Conquer the competition. Build a company that gives the customer what they want, even if they don't know they want it yet. The money will come eventually. And now it has. This has been part of Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos' plan all along. Here he is in 1999 on 60 Minutes. Now, every time I use your website, you learn more about me. Yes. One of your employees has said that you collect half a gigabyte whatever that is, of information on your customers every day, that's about 350 floppy disks worth. Mm. What do you do with that information? That's the data that allows us to predict or try to predict what, you know, uh, what books and videos and music that you would like, that you, don't, that you haven't discovered yet. Jeff Bezos is now worth over $100 billion. But it wasn't until years after that 60 Minutes episode and the smartphone came around 
that Bezos found the way to really crack online shopping beyond selling books. What happened was Amazon figured it would flex its muscles. And it wanted to know before Christmas what the prices people were paying for around the country. So what they did was really fascinating. This is UPenn professor Joseph Turo. His book is called The Isles Have Eyes, How Retailers Track Your Shopping, Strip Your Privacy, and Define Your Power. And in his book, he tells the story of how Bezos put shoppers to work for him while they were doing their holiday shopping about a decade ago. They told people to scan with the Amazon app prices of products they were interested in in any store they went into. And if they decided to purchase that product, they would give them a discount for that product up to a certain amount. So all of a sudden you had millions of people around the United States going into stores and scanning what was in on the shelves of the stores and then purchasing the products through Amazon at a discount. The storekeepers were going crazy. Yeah, the store managers were going crazy because Amazon was finding out all of their pricing practices. And not only that, people are buying stuff from Amazon. And Target got so angry, it pulled some Amazon-related products off of its shelves. It used to be extremely expensive for companies to figure out what prices competitors had. Andreas Weigand runs the Social Data Lab at Berkeley University. Before that, he was Amazon's chief data scientist. Amazon provided incentive for the user to do that little bit of work of scanning the price of an item they wanted to buy anyways. And suddenly they mapped out the entire country's pricing. Now, why that's important for Amazon is... Amazon would like to understand if, let's say, a certain item isn't selling. Is it not selling because the price is too high? Mm. Or maybe it's not selling because it is not shown by sort order. If something is on the 10th page of Amazon, nobody will buy it. Or it's not selling because if it's about clothing, it's just not your size that's available. So trying to figure out what to change pricing, sort order, or the sizes they offer. For that, they use any data they can get. And I would say, as they should. I think you could argue that that's the right thing to do from the customer's perspective, which is always what Jeff Bezos has in mind, this customer centricity. Yeah, at first, it does look like a win for the consumer, says Professor Joe Toro. It is true, in fact, that you can walk into a store many, many people do, go on to Amazon.com and compare prices and then say to the person in Best Buy, look, you know, here's a TV set for X amount less money. I want this. And, and they'll give you that price often. Okay. That's a power that people didn't have previously. Or you just might decide not to bother with parking and pushy people and order it from your cozy couch instead of the store. And oh, hey, look, Amazon Fire tablets are on sale now for only $29. Huh, maybe I'll just click that into my cart too and get a couple ebooks to put on that tablet. Oh, Amazon thinks I might like this gluten free baking cookbook. Wait, how did it know about my new diet? It seems benign. But, you know, they say right up front, you know, here are books that we think you'll look at based upon what you bought previously or what people like you have bought. Okay, that's the tip of an iceberg. 
from the tip of the iceberg to the murky depths of total retail domination. Ho, ho, ho. Note to self, we'll be right back. We've also created an easy way to get a second opinion. Introducing Style Check. We're back. It's Note to Self. I'm Manoush Samarodi, and you are in my house this week. I am going to try on some outfits in front of my new Amazon Echo Look. I'm going to try out one of the suggested functions where I take photos of myself in a couple different outfits, and then through the app, a professional stylist will advise what suits me best and presumably how I can buy those things that suit me best on Amazon itself. Plus, Alexa is built in the cloud and always getting smarter. And so will Echo Look. Do I sound skeptical of my new gadget? Well, yeah, I am. And frankly, right after this episode, it is getting packed up back into its little black box. Because, yeah, right now it's looking at what I'm wearing. But as Wired Magazine pointed out in its review of the Echo Look, there's no guarantee that in the future it's going to stick to just looking at my clothes. Amazon's privacy statement says that when you send photos to StyleCheck, this is a quote, qualified Amazon staff may view your photos for purposes of providing and improving Amazon services. Maybe in the future, those staff will see in the background that I need new sheets or facial recognition software will see that I have new wrinkles on my face and suggest a new eye cream. Or maybe they'll see that I look stressed and suggest the services of an Amazon therapist. Who knows what Amazon services may be in the future? Life is much more than shopping. Andreas Weigand, Amazon's former chief data scientist, calls all the data being collected while we do anything remotely connected to the internet, social data. I call it the social data revolution because it's affected how a billion people live. Mm. Think about it, how differently you make purchasing decisions. You look at reviews other people have written, which didn't exist 20 years ago. Or think about how you think about yourself. For many people, Facebook has influenced how they think about themselves. Or think about what you know. For a billion people, Google has affected about how you think about what they know. So it is a revolution that has changed not only you, but has changed a billion people around the world. And you think Jeff Bezos has our best interests in mind? I think Jeff Bezos has the best interests of the customers in mind, yes. We have to hope Andreas is right. By the way, you may remember Andreas from a show that we did earlier this year about all the personal information you can get out of one single digital photo. We sent him a bunch of anonymous photos from listeners, and he totally was able to figure out who and where they were. It was creepy. And yeah, right now we just kind of have to cross our fingers that Jeff Bezos and Larry and Sergey and Mark Zuckerberg and whoever else really do have our best interests in mind. 
because without data protection laws or regulation, we've gotten to a point where that's all we've got, trust. And what's the opposite of trust? Antitrust. Right now, the biggest voice on the antitrust issue and how it relates to Amazon is this woman. Sure. My name is Lena Khan, and I am director of legal policy with the Open Markets Institute and a visiting fellow at Yale Law School. Earlier this year, Lena published a piece in the Yale Law Review called Amazon's Antitrust Paradox. It was deeply researched, extremely detailed, kind of nerdy, but it went viral. I was surprised. I think the Whole Foods deal was kind of this catalyzing moment because it it made people realize that, you know, Amazon has continued to make these aggressive forays into all of these other sectors. And it was kind of this like, okay, we know that taken to the extreme, this would be bad for us. But at what point do we start saying that it's bad? Yeah, you write, it's as if Jeff Bezos charted Amazon's growth by first drawing a map of our antitrust laws and then devising routes to smoothly bypass them. Um, can you just spell out what those antitrust laws are and what he sort of maybe had to figure out in order to grow this company as big as it is without uh, raising eyebrows earlier? Sure. So um, just for a bit of historical context, we initially passed antitrust laws around 120, 130 years ago. And we passed these laws against the backdrop of the rise of industrial trusts. And this was the era of the robber baron, Standard Oil, American Tobacco, U.S. Steel. And at that time, we had seen the rise of these new technologies that were causing a lot of economic disruption, but that were also concentrating a lot of power among a handful of very powerful private companies. And that was hurting us as consumers, but that was also hurting us as workers and as producers and suppliers. So Lena says the U.S. passed laws to make sure these big companies couldn't abuse their power and markets were kept open and competitive because that's the democratic way. That's what antitrust laws were. Until the 1970s and 80s, when a new school of thought came in and lawmakers shifted their focus from the companies to price, protecting you and me from paying too much. They said the only proper goal of antitrust laws should be to promote efficiency in the form of consumer welfare. So the key question is, are consumer prices going to be higher? And if the answer is no, then enforcers don't really register that as any kind of competitive harm. Yeah. And that's the response that I get from like neighbors and friends. It's like, well, I don't know, I can get it cheaper on Amazon. So what am I going to do? Cancel my Prime membership? This is just the way it is. And and what do you think our response should be to that? Well, first of all, I think we are now seeing more reports that are questioning whether Amazon actually does always have the lowest prices. There have also been reports showing that 90% of Prime members don't price compare anymore. And so the kind of pressures on Amazon to actually have the lowest prices have somewhat eroded. And I think in many ways it has emerged as this critical gatekeeper. So if you are an independent producer, an independent supplier, and you want to reach consumers in the 21st century, you have to ride Amazon's rails. So Amazon really is the contemporary railroad road. So what happened with the railroads was that the, the lawmakers stepped in, regulation. And correct me if I'm wrong, but were you on Capitol Hill recently to brief lawmakers? Exactly. So they 
wanted to um, get a sense of how tech platform dominance was harming us. So I focused more on the specific ways in which Amazon has grown its dominance through a couple of key strategies, one being predatory pricing and the other way being integrating across all these other lines of business and is now able to use the insights of all these other companies to basically undercut them. And does that mean eventually for consumers higher prices? So I think, you know, there's a very real chance that Amazon could go on to raise prices um, without being disciplined by any significant competition. I think another thing to think about here is that Amazon could price discriminate. So Amazon collects so much information on us consumers that it's able to basically approximate what is the maximum amount that any single person would pay for a particular good. And then it would be able to charge different people different amounts for the same good. But there are also lots of invisible ways that Amazon has control of the market, specifically in terms of being data storage for thousands of companies across the world. That's right. Amazon Web Services is by far the dominant player in cloud computing services. And so a growing number of companies now rely on it as infrastructure, as does the government. So in the few times when we've seen an outage of Amazon Web Services, that has this cascading effect where all of these companies find themselves, you know, suddenly unable to do business. And so I think there are also potential conflicts of interest that emerge and it collects so much information that it's able to use information collected on one line of business to privilege another line of business. Mm. So with Amazon Web Services, Amazon was basically using AWS to identify which startups were growing most quickly huh. by seeing which startups were, you know, increasing their usage of AWS most quickly and then using that information to invest in those companies through its venture capital arm. So we see there how, you know, information collected in one way is being used to benefit the company in another way and is basically has this Petri dish where all of these other businesses are undertaking risk, introducing new products, seeing what does well. And Amazon's able to use those insights to then go directly to the manufacturer, go head to head with these businesses, undercut them on price. I think it's also interesting to look at the stock market because it seems like the market recognizes that Amazon is monopolizing and is achieving a dominant position if you look at its valuation compared to the profits that it reports. It's like the investors are just rubbing their hands like, can't wait for this cow to come home. Right. And it's a fascinating moment where the markets are registering a reality that our laws are not currently registering. I mean, what you just explained about essentially Amazon corralling all these smaller companies and then watching how they perform on their own platform and using that data and information to compete with them and essentially get rid of them is fascinatingly brilliant to me because it's a real big echo of the story that we were told about how Amazon first figured out how to price things in that it had consumers across the country reporting to Amazon, telling them how things were priced so that Amazon could build its business on the backs of shoppers. And now we see it essentially doing the same thing on the backs of other retailers, too. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's also parasitic, right? (laughs) I had a conversation with Amazon's former chief data scientist who worked very closely with Jeff Bezos. And I asked him, I was like, is Jeff Bezos a good guy? Does he have us always in the foremost of his mind? And he said, yes, I think so. What do you think, Lena? 
I think this is not a question about good intentions or bad intentions. It's really about checks and balances. And we should not be wanting to live in a world where, um, you know, the vibrancy of our economy and is really dependent on the whims of, you know, a benevolent dictator. Okay, so in the short term, as we wait for lawmakers to get up to speed and tech companies to do whatever domination they need to do next, what can we do? It's the holidays. I'm busy, Lena, like, and I know a lot of people who are just like, I don't even care if I don't get the lowest price. I just really need those sheets by December 19th. Like, what do we do as consumers if we're worried about this? Yeah, I think we need to think about this not only as consumers, but also as citizens and our civic capacities. And so I think this is not a situation that is going to be resolved by all of these individual consumers somehow boycotting Amazon. Um, It's undeniable that Amazon provides a lot of convenience to a lot of people. Um, So I think this is more a question of, you know, how do we uh, ensure that lawmakers are aware of the dangers of allowing a handful of companies to dominate in this way and pressuring them to take action? Okay, so every order that you place on Amazon and then send as a gift, should we print out your your Yale Review article and send it along with that to our siblings or nieces <laughs> and nephews? I guess that would one way, be one way of doing it. I think yeah. that's actually a pretty cool idea. We're going to ask some people to do that because um, it's bigger than just us, right? But I'm, do, do you shop at Amazon, Lena? I got to ask. I have an Amazon account. I'm not a Prime member, but... Oftentimes, it's the only way to get something quickly, you know, and I think that's also uh, a result of the kind of consolidation we're seeing that we, we there aren't many rival platforms that can offer the same kind of infrastructure for other companies and other businesses that are selling their goods and services. Lena Khan, thank you so very much. Thanks for having me. Wow. I mean, who knew ordering one-day delivery could be so complicated? From price discrimination to undercutting entrepreneurs to hosting the government and competitors' data to taking pictures of me here in my bedroom and making sure I don't walk out the door looking schlumpy. But just to be clear, it's going to take a lot to get senators or economists at the Justice Department or members of the Federal Trade Commission to buy Lena's argument, the argument that our current antitrust laws need upgrading. But it is happening in other places. The state of Missouri just opened an antitrust investigation into Google. The EU slapped a record $2.7 billion fine on the company for favoring its own services in search results. EU also recently fined Facebook, Apple, and Amazon for various regulatory no-nos. So maybe we here in the U.S. should also start asking ourselves more often, do we want a single company, in this case Amazon, all up in our business? All up in all of our businesses like this? I think it's a systemic question, and I think it is worth posing alongside a gift of cashmere socks or a slow cooker. So here is what we have done. We have created a little printable card to enclose with your gifts this holiday season. I think especially good to enclose with any gifts that you ordered on Amazon. Some good cheer and a festive link to Lena's 96-page law review article. Give the gift of antitrust awareness this holiday season. Find that and so much more delight at notetoselfradio.org. Happy holidays, everybody. 
The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Kat Aaron, Megan Cunane, and Joe Plord. Many thanks to Matt Boynton and Adriana Tapia for their help, too. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Manoush Zamarodi. app has not been able to connect. If the You've connected to oh. this Echo Look. Go ahead and finish the setup in your Echo Look app. Okay, all right. Oh, shoot, I need my Wi-Fi password.